Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is a nice uh, episode. I previously did an episode like this. I'm calling them Listen In episodes, essentially where we listen to an album together. You kind of, I do a little bit of a history and then we kind of launch the album and as we go through I kind of commentate, if you will, on it and kind of talk through some things that you might have not known and some things you do know and some nonsense and to chat a load of shit over over a particular record that I like or you know, it's been suggested to me the last one we did was Metallica's The Black Album really well received a lot of people suggested uh, a couple of albums and saying you know, when's the next one so I finally got around to doing the next one and the next one is Alison Chain's Dirt and so why choose that one well a number of people suggested it um, this week would have been the anniversary of uh, Lane Stately's death, and 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 that was obviously kind of, uh, seemed kind of apropos for to to do something regarding that, and it's just it's it was such a pivotal album and is such a pivotal album. It seemed to be to jump out that it should be something that uh, I covered something that we we were listened to together. So the other kind of thing to this is that I like to listen to and completely engage in an album, switch everything off, just put the album on. And float down the stream of it and kind of let it take you solely all encompassing what the artist intended. Life's really, really tough. In particular, it's really tough at the moment. Um, how's everybody's weekends been? Uh, how everybody's weeks been? We're coming up to the Easter weekend now. This will be released for the Easter weekend to kind of give some people some things to listen to and some things to enjoy. And I've had a lot of feedback. People saying that they're listening to going back and <clears throat> working through all the, the shows and kind of telling me which ones they liked, which ones they didn't like, which ones they wants to see more of, less of. And it's been absolutely superb to get that kind of feedback from from uh, what is starting to become something of a little community, which is great. Um, this, uh, on the, the sort of pictures that are put out to kind of saying who's on the show and kind of who, who I'm talking to, that's kind of an important way forward. Um, obviously, I put the Alison Chains on it. And then there's a question mark one as well. The question mark one is me announcing kind of who's going to be on next week. And I'm really, really happy to say that um, we're going to have David Lopan. Um, or that's, that, that Obviously, that's his, that's his stage name, if you will. David Lopan is a, a producer. He kind of does all kinds of amazing work with kind of theme songs and theme songs for wrestlers. The noise and the music that comes out from where a wrestler comes out and gets his way to the ring. He does a lot of that, as well as doing his own projects and some fantastic stuff coming up as well. Great chat with him. You're really going to enjoy that. One of the best ones we've, we've sat down. I think we nearly went two hours or so, which is, which is superb. But that's going to be great. And then we've got Kitty Staunton from Novacrow. Fantastic conversation with Kitty, all about kind of the, the band and then way bigger concepts uh, and, and stuff as well. That's a really great chat. And I'll put up the, the picture that corresponds to that so you can kind of see what I'm going to. I'm also going to put a question marks on that one. But that's because I hopefully will have a very, very special guest. And like normally, I'd be, I wouldn't say that because it's like, you know, I don't really get like crazy famous people on here. This person is a, is, is a rock star of, of, of every standard. But more than that, he's a super, super human being. Uh, one of my favourite humans. And I'll announce that as we get closer to the time. So some things to look forward to and some things to kind of take your mind off, hopefully, what's going on in the world. And that's really all I'm kind of trying to do here. So it's appreciative when people get back to me and say that that's, that's something that they enjoy. Okay.
So let's kind of maybe let's kind of let's you know switch off the televisions and stuff like that and kind of find yourself a quiet space and and start getting the album ready to put on if you listen to it digitally or on vinyl or whatever it may be. We're not going to start it yet. I'll give you the very key key moment when we're going to start it off i used to listen to when i was a kid i used to have these like things it was like the, it was a star wars one i think it was for jedi and you would open the book when it said open the book and then it would give a noise i think it was r2d2's noise would be to turn the page i've got to figure out something to do with that that's cool but that's kind of probably where the birth of this idea came from so the album we're sitting with is alice in chains dirt okay so just before Dirt is kind of took on. They start recording it. They they they'd already have done Facelift, and Facelift is a, is a great album, and it spawned kind of obviously Man in a Box. And Man in a Box was something of a breakthrough for Alice and Chains, in so much as the the kind of the metal guys really kind of got onto it because it's heavy. And when they were on, they were touring with all kinds of people, but Man in a Box was kind of their kind of almost not I wouldn't say breakthrough, but it certainly really kind of kept them. Uh, out of the out from the pack, and that's like kind of the the Seattle Four pack, the the kind of Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Alice in Chains were very much of that. Some argue, some argue that they're not even kind of metal, they're more grunge. Those people are wrong, and there probably proves that it's more of a metal album than anything else. Labels, whatever, we don't care. The, the point being is that you know this was kind of. They, they they were enjoying success now and this was maybe the time when kind of all the accruements of success come in and dealing with with stuff and, and things like that obviously as we'll go into this the, the songs individually there's an enormous amount of sort of referencing to drugs and its destructive nature certainly the back end of the album is is very much kind of drugs kind of themes and thematically um and that's obviously you know because of what Lane was going through and, and certain other members of the band as well, by the way. And so that kind of really sets off where, where Dirt's going to be. It's the second album released on the 29th of September, 92. Um, and it's the last one with the, with the, with the, the kind of considered lineup of Jerry, uh, Cantrell, Lane, Staley, um, Sean Kinney and Mike Starr on bass and drums respectively. And because obviously as we'll get into Things in Mike Starr left and was replaced in, in 93. Just before this album kind of gets properly released, it, one of the, the, the songs gets put on the soundtrack to the um, movie Singles. It's Wood. And that kind of gives you the first kind of uh, sort of intimation of where they're going and what it's going to be sound like. And I'll get into it, Wood, when we kind of we do the, the whole album as, as a whole. Um, it, this is predominantly wrote by 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 Jerry Cantrell, although Lane writes on things like Hate to Feel and Angry Chair. He even plays a bit on Angry Chair as well. And this is kind of the the real sort of the the finding of the feet, if you will, uh, uh, of the band. So this was started pretty much on the, the when the uh, the LA riots began, and Cantrell talks about being in a in a Seven Eleven or whatever, and some guy starting to loot, and and they kind of whole freaked out. So they were with Tom Mariah at the time, and they so they they tried to get out the city. They go to the Joshua Tree Desert. That's uh, full of those Joshua trees, which are like on the cover of the U two album for four or five days to kind of get away from the madness. I think about 130 miles away, um, Joshua uh, Tree Desert is from L A. So they kind of um, you know were kind of really kind of 
wanted to kind of get into what they were doing and kind of find their place. I mean, Staley had already been in rehab. He'd had problems with 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 heroin and stuff and all the rest of it, and Sean and and, and Mike had, had 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 some 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 issues as well, and one of the things that uh, they kind of talk about in this album is he uh, laying his quote to saying all the poison that builds up during the day, we cleanse when we play. And I think that's a really really interesting sort of uh, perspective, um, and he says like the whole story of the last three years of my life is kind of what this album is you know and he and there's probably regrets he had regrets maybe making there was a chic cool to to, to heroin at, at one point uh, amazingly enough and so he, uh, he, he often talks about how he kind of didn't really didn't really want that and then so they, when they finally sort of decamp it's recorded over in, in three studios uh, el dorado studio in Bearbank, the the one-on-one in in la and the london uh, bridge studio in in seattle and they're kind of recorded in various places, and that's not unusual. That happens from time to time as they switch and things become available in different rooms for different things and, and what have you. And certainly, producers in this case, Dave and and, um, and Rick Prasher are, are kind of pushing for various sounds. Dave Hurden, who'd done like kind of you know, he did facelift, but he'd also worked with like Zappa uh, on the man from Utopia and uh, Talking Heads and stuff like that. So, you know, these are people with you know, really good sort of pedigree rick prasher uh, uh the temple of the dog stuff and what have you so they brought people in who, who really kind of also would be coming to reach their epoch so you know eldorado studios let's look at that for example you know slayer did what hell awaits there uh, J- uh jane's addiction did nothing shocking there anthrax did sound of white noise i think and social distortion as well um, a pitch shifted deviant was also recorded there so you know it was it was kind of really sort of a fantastic place obviously one-on-one studios metallica's the black album uh rust and peace or by megadeth was done there as well and testament to wake and then in the london bridge studio that was a lot of uh, uh grunge stuff so that was pearl jams 10 and uh, the single soundtrack was recorded there as well blind melon blind melon um Zach Wilde did Pride and Glory stuff there as well. So, you know, that was kind of, that's like, I mean, the list of people that worked there is absolutely, you know, fan, fan, fantastic. And I think that, you know, they really kind of, every, everybody wanted to step the game up on this album, most definitely. I think they really wanted to create a statement after Facelift. And so, before we get into the album as well, the first thing that you, a lot of people know or see about the album is the cover. Very, very, very kind of iconic cover um of the, the 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 woman kind of covered in the dirt and the one of the, the themes about kind of the this album is is the kind of burying of problems and getting rid of problems and moving forward and not letting them them hold you back and that type of thing that album cover uh, was a photo by yeah, rocky Sheck uh Schneck, um who kind of does you know, uh, did facelift and stuff. He also did Jerry Cantrell's uh, Boggy Depot as well. So, you know, kind of obviously well well liked. He did videos as well. He did um, Fasty, Faster Pussycats, You're So Vain and, um, and, and, and Meat Puppets videos. He did like real good eye for, for, for what was going on there. And that, that, that cover, I mean, the model was, you know, the, there's been a lot of kind of back and forth about who that model is. And a lot of people thought it was uh, Staley's girlfriend, um, Demi Parrott, it, and, it, and it isn't. It's it's Maria O'Brien, um, who also appears on Spiral Tap's uh, uh, Bitch School single cover as a, as a sidebar to that. But that's such a 
an iconic sort of thing that 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 cover you know and and apparently allegedly coming to, to elements of betrayal within a, a, a kind of with throughout the album apparently that that person or sorry uh, the person it's about maria actually o'brien quite quite similar to to what that person looks like looks like apparently and it's just interesting that already the kind of the, the thematically we're kind of seeing which 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 way it goes so then you know the albums the albums released and the reception is absolutely sort of you know incredible sixth on the billboard and four times platinum and five singles you know wood then bones angry chair uh, down the hole rooster all are all singles which is also a, always a great sign of an uh, of a, a, an album doing doing really well and kind of you know really kind of encapsulating stuff you know and uh, there's some grammy award nom- nominations in there as well and so then they go out with on tour with Ozzy on the No More Tours tour. They 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 go out and they kind of, you know, were kind of support Ozzy, and that's like a real real kind of step up. And they had, you know, some would say they had a lot of bad luck there. You know, uh, Lane breaks his foot in an accident and has to use crutches and stuff. Mike Starr gets replaced by Mike Enes from Ozzy's band. Mike Enes plays obviously at the bass on on kind of No More Tears and and all that type of thing. And he was. He he was kind of drafted in and into kind of the lineup that you that you kind of know and love as well. This album really is kind of such a big big part. Of Lane's stamp is all over this, but Jerry's stamp as well. For me, it's it's collaborative. For me, them it's both of them kind of really kind of working it together and kind of getting the the idea of what they wanted to do and this is them beautifully meeting up what a what a great writing partnership so if you you've got yourself all your bits and pieces ready hopefully i've laid the table if you will to to listen to to to, to the album okay so just to preface or preface this the 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 the, uh, the, the album full and a little bit of addition to the to, to the intro this album begins with two of the best songs ever written for me i love them and they're certainly some of the best Alice in chain songs so we don't really get much chance to kind of like slowly get into it and then it then here's the song the first few songs are them bones and damn that river and we're we're just off to a flyer straight away so be ready for that and <laughs> be ready for it. i'll let it sink in and there'll be moments when i'll simply listen to the music because that's what it was fucking meant to be there for and i'll listen to these 13 songs it's like 58 minutes like it's like an hour worth of music so when i give you the signal be it r2d2's bit bop or whatever it may be um drop the needle press the play click the button whatever whatever way you have of 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 listening to to, to, to this album Forget about the things that, you know, do, are going on in the world for a little bit. You know what I mean? Let's try and relax. And, you know, this is part of, like I say, of a nice weekend where we're trying to kind of stay in and look after each other and kind of just, you know, take some time. As this album is intended, we're just going to listen to it in full, chronologically, as they wanted, you know. So then Bones Down That River and away we go. Um, and then I'll do a little bit at the end as well where we tie it up. But there's going to be moments where we're talking over stuff. And it's going to be moments when I'm not. Yeah, that's that's the the nature of the commentary. Obviously, I can't put the album on so you can hear it because that's there's all kind of copyright things there. So you'll hear little beeps and bops maybe coming through there. But we're going to get started. And when I say, um, if you press play or like I say, click a button or whatever it is, we'll get ready to listen to the fabulous Alison Chains Dirt album. So when I say, hit play. Fucking hell. 
<laughs> that riff. Um, right, so those like ah apparently were, were fairly improvised by by Lane, and obviously it's kind of become like what a, what an opening, and that riff as well, seven eight timed riff, um you know which is kind of like which is unusual, and it's about what's it about? Uh, Them bones is about death. It's about the. The, how life is fleeting, you know, and as he said, that use what you have and use it well is kind of Jerry's sort of mantra for this song. And for a song that's like, what, two minutes 30, it's incredibly effective at just getting it done. And how heavy is that? That's not metal. Shut the fuck up. Of course it is. I feel so alone. Cancel's great sort of melodic playing, not shredding, just lovely sort of bends. It's very, you know, Jerry's got the master of the bends, like. And then it comes to come back in now, it's just like it's crushing. Lovely playing. Like the plane crashing. And then to come with the riff now, told you, you bad dreams come true. Amazing. That's just like it may be probably I don't know. Maybe Alison Chain's best song. It might be. It might be. It's certainly it's got to be in the top five, right? Incredibly effective, very little gristle on it, all fucking muscle. And then just to sway, like kind of wind down and go into down that river. And the bear. Just John's snap. Just a, what a great establishing riff, like. And then to settle into it. More of Cantrell's great play. He doesn't get a, enough props, maybe. I think he's having a great tone. Very unique, under-gritty sort of tone that he's got. And then those lovely vocals. You know, Lane sort of otherworldly. Like, you know, this is about a, a fight with Sean Kinney. Broke a, a coffee table over there. Jerry's head, like. Bum, bum, bum. Maybe you couldn't fucking hold that in. You know, maybe you, you didn't have to say that, but you did say it, and that's why we fought. Maybe. Wash me so far away. What a... Just vocally, you know, his spoken sort of stuff is incredibly sort of unique to him. Like, as it should be. Amazing. Bum, bum, bum. And still only three minutes nine long or something.
I'll have to check. I'm pretty sure they opened with both of these as well, like, when they played live, obviously. One of the secrets to Cantrell's tone, certainly his rhythm tone, is he used a baritone guitar as well. It's one of the first times I heard someone doing that, like. But instead, he obviously, I think this is the one where he kind of uses that G and L one. Bum, 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 bum. Piss upon my candles. That's about an argument, that isn't it? That is, two people didn't get on doing that, like. What an incredible sort of uh, two-punch fucking opening that is. And then Mike Starr's lovely bass coming in. And this is this kind of discordant stuff. This 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 is what the grunge thing coming in now. Where they're willing to kind of cycle and just flex on it. And just with wild noises and experimentation stuff. And opening up the wire and stuff. And kind of... Letting the drone and stuff and letting things move like. Apparently about uh, girlfriend or girlfriends, this song. But listen to how comfortable they are, you know, to kind of just settle back and relax almost a little bit and kind of. This is you now. You've heard the, the hits, if you will. These lovely kind of. Notes that you play when you're on top of the kind of uh, by the nut of the guitar, and you know, oh, that's that's like the epitome Alice and Chain sound, right there, isn't it? Listen to the guitar in the background as well. And Cantrell does that great thing where he's like real vocal as a guitar player, like, you know. Listen to the different layers in the vocals they've recorded to and gives that like shimmering, otherworldly kind of thing going on. It's just, it's... Just huge hooks, huge hooks. This was a just you know made for 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 immediate ingestion, immediate like kind of. There's so many hooks and tertiary hooks and secondary hooks in the song.
Lovely, just, just great playing that. I miss that when uh, when bands experiment within essentially singles, essentially like the main song, which is very kind of accessible, and do stuff where they kind of break out, and then they kind of allow this kind of swirling drug kind of stupor kind of thing, like that kind of boggy depot to quote, to quote Jerry. Almost Sabbathy. Later on, they quote some Sabbath notes in later songs, like. True great rock bands, true great bands have a wonderful rhythm section and, you know, Sean and Mike, the sort of kind of weaving bed that they put together is really, really running one of the unsung heroes of, of, of Dirt and Alice in Chains entire, me and body work. And what a sentiment, rain when I die, that's a... It's evocative as well, like, you know, not only did they sound and look like Alice in Chains, the, the things they talked about were all, it was a complete look. This is like, you know, realistically second album in, and they've nailed it. They've nailed what they should look like, they know how they, how they are, and this kind of, ah, very, very Alice in Chains, very, very much creating a template that would follow for, for everything, you know. And that kind of drones and stuff like that, that's something they played with a lot. Um, and it really kind of like, that discordancy is something that they brought, most definitely from Seattle and stuff like, you know, and you think like the, the land of the Melvins and stuff and, and what have you. Um, and it really kind of, yeah, it really kind of sets them apart, doesn't it? And then to come back in, because they're just sitting in, in the studio playing this or whatever, just endlessly looping it. And then you get something like this, you know, down in a hole with just this lovely instrumentation, you know, about Cantrell's, you know, girlfriend, Courtney Clark. I mean, Cantrell rates this as being one of the top three uh, songs by Alison Chains. That kind of lovely A-flat a minor kind of Dorian mode type of thing going on. Listen to that guitar. That swirling, almost Leslie effect there. This part of me from you. Impossible not to sing along. Everybody's sitting there now going, Coop, your voice sucks. Left fucking lane, do his job. Like, but 
it's so beautifully crafted and, and kind of walking you through it. You can hear everything come through in Lane's voice. It, it, uh, the great vocalists and the great sort of from people are, are people that kind of act as almost like a prism to that life and to the life that they've gone through. Mike Starr's bass there, just kind of lovely. This is some great playing by Jerry now. Just this lovely bed of which to for, for Lane to lie on and kind of tell his story, or rather cancel story. I have been guilty of kicking myself in the teeth. That kind of introspectiveness and about regret and, and that type of thing is, is also kind of running throughout this entire album. Everything's kind of reduced to its better parts, particularly Sean's drums. It's just what it needs to be. This is cancelled now. Some of the listen to some of the bends now. <laughs> Not yet, sorry. Ah, there it is. Listen to the, listen to. This is that guitar in the background, you know, like kind of. Just those great bends and the otherworldly stuff and, you know, kind of. Listen, see that? Hear that?
Oh! Just really over, not over bending so much, but certainly second and third fret bends. Great player. Huge that song, Daniel. Huge that song. Is it a ballad? No, who cares? And then we go into Sick Man. And it kind of feels like that kind of almost sound garden y thing going on, like, but it's just. Yeah. That's a fucking riff, that is. Uh, unconventional. What the hell am I? It's deliberately uncomfortable, deliberately kind of like, you know, wobbly vocal, deliberate like that. It's kind of... Let's start guitar playing as well. That's, that's Sabbath right all over that, isn't it? That almost waltz. What's the difference? This weaving horror, this this weaving kind of like descent. To collapse on your knees to then go back into that. Like sections rather than verse chorus, if you will. Oh. The anguish, listen to that, like. The, the kind of the vibrato he puts to his voice is just like something you never heard. Certainly not in this genre of music. And it's that kind of and so all the multi layered voices just pulling. Pulling your strings like mm 
and it just feels like it can just churning and moving and falling and descending. Great playing by Jerry there. And you like to come back to the main tick, man. It's just extraordinary. And we're back in. Just like, you know, Ian, this, these are like you know, potential singles and stuff. These are just like fucking unbelievable examples of how comfortable they were, what, what they were doing like. It's just the, the like levels of hell, isn't it? It's just like the the endless descents, the you know, the falling into like despair. It's just the despair in his voice is absolutely superb, if, if you will, like what it's depiction of. Become my When my thoughts become my biggest fears, that's fucking confident writing that is. Oh, it's the effects in the background. That guitar, that cheering kind of hollow, soulless, but with soul, if you know, into guitar. It just really kind of like destroys kind of any last sort of... Incredible. And then we get Rooster. You know, probably... Probably one of my favourite songs of all time. Probably one of my favourite Alice in Chains songs. You know, you're writing about, he's writing about Jerry Cantrell Sr. And, and Vietnam. And Rooster, a nickname given by his great-grandfather, about his hair, apparently. You know, and, you know, Cantrell was living with Chris Cornell and Susan Silver as their manager. Uh, you know, and you, you can tell he was sitting writing. Now, this is him. It's had that female vocals, it's incredible. This is him kind of really growing as a, as a writer, writing about personal experience. Um, and apparently he played this song and his dad was in the audience once for uh, in a club supporting Iggy Pop and after his dad heard the song, you know, with, with, with tears in his eyes, he holds up that cowboy hat in the air like, you know, it's incredible. As is the Mark Pennington video as well, like which is the company's here, which is so equally fantastic. Um, that leads me to nowhere. Just that confidence beat. And the ominous presence of the guitar, it's always still there. Like, often misplayed this as being not as relaxed as it is. Like, screams at me from somewhere. Really, possibly Cantrell's best achievement as a, as a songwriter, or one of them anyway, you know. 
teasing at that break, the confidence to know that you to, it's coming and to not throw all your cards straight away down, to come in in good time, like now. This song, I remember this being played in one of the, I think it's Terminator Salvation or something, and it, it isn't that great a movie, but when this song come on, it really snaps you back to it, like, you know. That beautiful way they could take it from small to massive with equal gravitas is the real secret behind Alison Chain's great sound. And the vocalistic playing of Jerry Cantrell here is, is not more prevalent on Rooster. Magnificent. It really is, Dana. And to bring it to how beautiful is this machine gun man that little feedback keep going through about returning veterans from Vietnam what? The bass, and then the guitar doing it in a minute. Some think is that is a, almost a negative song, and um, it's not. It's full of hope. And then say, what a, it's just ending. Just real them, this, that's them. You're listening to the sound of Alice in Chains, fully understanding who they are, and moving to the next level of what 
they're meant to be. This is like proper defining moment for them. Rooster was one of the those songs, probably the, the song I'll talk the least over because it was it's so well crafted. On every, everybody wins in in that particular song. Everybody his performance there is absolutely perfect. One of the best rock and metal songs of all time. It just is. Jump for and so. <laughs> uh, by zone admission lane says that the you know junkhead represents the, the 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 drug phase of the album going all the way through to angry chair and it's the sequence that they intended um and this is like it's heartbreaking to listen to um when you think about it because it's uh, it's not as it's just not happy it's not coming from a happy place and it's not meant to be That classic, what's now established as being classic, that chug and swirl and swagger. Nothing better than a dealer. Yeah, just... Lovely bass there. What's a drag of charm? How... Desperate and how unreal is that? What's your drug of choice and what have you got? That I'm open, I just want to escape, that I can't handle the, the way things are, that I have to use drugs as an escape of whatever drugs it is, you know. Um, yeah, so he, he, the, he's ex trying to explain that, you know, it sounds unreal to take drugs as a but we, there must be a reason why people do it. And, the, you know, it must feel good at some points, you know. Kind of reminds me of the, the whole thing of Mr. Brownstone by, by Guns N' Roses. It has that element to it, I find. Had to cry a help right there, yeah. Well, what have you got? Jesus. I don't go broke, and I do it a lot. What a singing solo by Cantrell. Forgot about this. Pretty rhythmic soloing as well. Oh, when it comes in, it just... It is dirty, isn't it? It's it's seeping. It's like it's just filthy. It's covered in dirt, like literally and metaphorically.
See the little bends that the cancel's doing as well. Really gripping. Which is interesting, says she can't understand the user's mind. In a song that's put forward to make you help you understand a, 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 a junkie's mind, if you will. Jesus. Ain't so bad. It really is front street, that is. It's just putting it all out there, isn't it? And there's fucking... Think about that. Think about the bravery it takes to talk about that type of stuff in the midst of it as well, you know. Egolessly talk about and try and help people get an understanding into the working mind of someone who's a... a Functioning? Question mark in a uh, addict? Oh, the voice breakup as well. It's very real and honest. Like, So uh, nearly over halfway, we get to the, the, the title track, Dirt, and this lovely... And it's that lovely quality that Cantrell really has, you know, really melodic guitar play, really melodic line, and that just sings with Cantrell's voice, uh, with, the, with Cantrell's guitar playing, just sings with Lane's voice beautifully. And it's not like interestingly, Dirt isn't the best song on the album for for me. Uh, for certainly for a lot of people, it it isn't kind of the best song of the album, you know. It, and it's the title track. It's interesting, isn't it? Lack of self-control. I want you to kill me. Although, like I say, although this is the beginning of like the, the, the sort of the, the drug sort of thing, and that's it, the dirt's about, about betrayal, about kind of someone letting you down. And, and that's the... You, the, the the cover uh, photograph as well as was meant to be, you know, meant to establish that, you know. Like, dirt is a way of getting past something. Dirt is a way of kind of dealing with something. That the burying it as well. And then uh, the, the question of if you do bury something, have you truly got past it? Or is it a coping mechanism to purely deal with something for the right now? Like drugs are. Are drugs the dirt? Are drugs kind of that, that thing he uses... Wow. Jesus, come on, killing yourself and losing your mind doing it. That's a really, that's the end of a bad relationship. 
tried to hide things yeah, from what's wrong with me, yeah. And something of a classic Jerry solo. And it's all there. Oh my life. Oh really when he when he went he went, didn't he? Some octaves there. Just a beautiful vocalistic stance to his playing. You can see why he did the solo stuff, you know what I mean? You can see why he did that like. What a melody, utterly timeless, beautiful melody. God, it's spitting like the kind of, you know, it's almost like painful to get this out. Like, it's very cathartic, the album, in many ways. Try to hide myself from what is wrong with me. But, but maybe it's about burying those things and those truisms and those things that are destroying you. This is wrong for me. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty, that's as close as you get in that, in, in the entire sort of album to, you know, that self catharsis. And then, <laughs> that lovely, the, with Godsmack, these vocals on this, it's like an almost unconventional riff anyway. And it's kind of like, where the fuck is this going? But then, gets pulled in by the drums, like, that wave in the voice, it's like, what the fuck, who was doing that, you know? They had that wonderful thing of creating this unusual rhythm and then locking it. And this is a Godsmack's a really great example of them like doing such that. Dum 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 dum. Bound you. And then suddenly it's like almost conventional, you know. And then spirals off to this like, you know, war dripped sort of thing going on. What in God's name have you done? Listen to everything that's going on there, the layeredness to it. And then to go from that back into this, such a swagger to it. His voice is just otherworldly, isn't it? When we uh, there's, there's uh, an age of 
vocalists who only sound exactly like what with with one vocal sound. Lane really had a whole gamut of kind of demonic voices and crazy voices that he really employed, and Godsmack's just a great example of that. And then to to do to be as smooth as that, to accessible to radio accessible as that like. What in God's name have you done? And that uncomfortable, almost like kind of solo on the fly, you know, stabbing and wailing, you know. Just not throwaway, but it's like just that's how he felt right then. Like, wonder how many passes he had at that. Like, probably that was the first go. I can It just to switch from that to switch into a more conventional stuff. It's a real talent vocally. It really is. Can't get high, or you will die, dear. So we get like Iron Man or Iron Clan or whatever you want to say, this kind of nod back to Sabbath and stuff with with Tom Raya who they took during the sessions out into the desert and stuff and I don't know why this exists, it's probably almost like a semi sort of fuck it, let's put it on the album but <laughs> But that discordancy feels right for us and chains, doesn't it? <laughs> Red drum. And this is like uh, this is one of two songs on the album wrote by Lane, and you know, wow, that you like the you write something called hate to feel. It is depressive as hell this album it is like kind of hopeless but then somewhere amidst that those many circles that there is a hope it's so sabbath in all the good ways Boom, boom. 
Everybody's on point on this song, aren't they? So the shifts and the different sort of sections, incredible life. It's certainly one of the most disjointed um, songs on the whole album. It's kind of like, it's just crazy. Wow, wow, wow. That chromatic element that they're playing, which is certainly what I nod to, to Sabbath and stuff, that kind of like, really fucking descending really puts that's that's very much Alison Chain's sound like coupled with Lane's vocals that's where you get into the real center of it They're big lyrics, aren't they? Production of this album is superb. It's absolutely superb. In the that in the room type of presence. Not afraid to be, you know, a little bit gritty and a little bit kind of dirty. Oh, I forgot about Jerry's playing on this. Stop stem boom. Tony Dennett kind of gets even close to being a commercial beat, if you will.
this is a another wrote by Lane and apparently plays guitar on those as well. Fucking like you know staple kind of Allison Chains like droning and kind of you know pummeling beat and kind of marching tone to it. That is pivotal, Allison Chains. This was everywhere, wasn't it, in 93, 94? Hmm. And you like to, to come up with the, the next section where it kind of becomes the chorus is just such an unexpected surprise. The subtleties of Jerry's play in there. Switch to That's maybe that's maybe Alison Chains' legacy, bringing in that strange and unconventional and dirty thing into that more. Certainly, a lot of metal bands went away and, and fucked around with time signatures and it's fucked around with kind of like you know weird syncopation and stuff like that and discordancy. I'm sure a ton of bands went away and came back with something a bit more kind of eccentric, shall we say. It's a very complete statement, the Dirt as an album. Um, very complete through the playing and what they wanted to say. Like I think that's probably why it's successful is because they went in with something that they wanted to achieve and perfectly executed what they wanted. And that's why it's so potent. Weight of my heart, not the size. That was one of the lines I took away from that album. It always used to rattle around my head.
<laughs> to leave that ringing out and then to end it, that motif. And then we get into the last song on the album. There is two unreleased songs from this album, the, the Fear the Voices and Lying Season, and they later up turn up on the uh, on the, the music bank uh, box set. So the last song will be what they released on as part of the single soundtrack, Wood. Um, tragically, about Car Cantrell's friend Andrew Wood of Mother Lovebone, died in 1990 uh, of an overdose. And this is, you know, I make this whole album to a certain degree is about people who pass judgment on on what someone's going through, what led them to be, to kind of what they did, why they took those drugs, you know, why they took those things, why those things happened. And rather than to be judgmental about these things and kind of write people off as being a junkie or an addict or whatever, understand that there's much more complicated things at play and underneath the skin of what's going on. Would you have done the same thing? What would happen if, you know? It's that great question of if. It's a great riff. Listen to uh, Star's bass there, like really kind of... The bum ba ding da And Opeth cover this um, on a single of Bird, and I think I might have been. That sweep through the world again. one of the shortest songs on the, on the album as well like comparative to the others a little bit like so much four, three four minutes long five minutes long lovely playing there by Jerry and it, like that space and lovely playing So what do we take from 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 the whole album as a whole? Like you know, tragic, suffering, you know, dealing with addiction and the depths of someone's soul and pressures of the uh, their parents and fathers and stuff, and understanding what they went through and learning by their mistakes and realizing that you're going to make your own mistakes as you grow as a person. Musically and thematically clashing together ideals and ideologies that didn't sit together previously, taking ideas from previous bands of previous generations and really kind of reinvigorating them and producing them for a newer audience. At the same time, revitalizing a, a, a scene single-handedly uh, with the Seattle grunge movement and making metal seem a more interesting and, you know, discordant place than maybe it once had been. Alice in Chains is 
update on listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I really did going back listening to those songs. Some of those songs I hadn't heard in a long time. I forgot there's some great parts of that. Really exploring the album and listening and trying to take it in and understand kind of what went on and the, the reasons kind of choices were made and what led to that. Really kind of enriches that album and solidifies it's one of the greatest rock and metal albums of all time. If you want me to listen to another album and give sort of commentary on that please message me as always i'm always open to to, to listen to to new uh, artists but i thought this is more about previous artists and their great work the stuff for new artists is a week with i'll be doing some more of them that's the ones for new artists this one's is for more established artists and classic albums if you want me to listen to a particular one please message me via the social media i really hope you enjoyed this i enjoy doing these listenings i listen to a lot of music it's nice to just sit down switch off and listen to something every now and again and i hope i've given that feet something for you to do uh, over the this this weekend and kind of listen and kind of take your mind off some of the things that are going on as always as I'm going to keep saying until I actually do I will see you at the show